0: Outside. What is that? Wow.
1: Radio. And welcome everybody to another episode of Monsterx Radio. Shane here as your host this evening and I'm uh, doing things a little bit different this evening. Uh, I'm going to bring on my good friend and, and fellow researcher, fantastic guy that we've had on the show before, Chris Spencer. Uh, Chris Spencer is in, uh, a researcher and investigator out of the state of Washington and we're going to... Uh, well, we're going to discuss a little bit about what he's been up to. We're going to get into some of these, these hot topics or topics that have come up um, over the years uh, in regards to Sasquatch and possible behavior and, and whatnot. And there's a few things that have come to mind that I, I really wanted to discuss. And, and uh, that's why I'm bringing Chris aboard here because he's a very intelligent guy. Um, he's very pragmatic in his approach to research. He analyzes everything and uh, really tries to... Uh, rule out Sasquatch before he ever even considers uh, Sasquatch as, a you know, the suspect uh, in some of these scenarios. So I'm going to bring Chris on here. Hey, uh, Chris, how are you doing this evening?
0: Good. How are you, Chris?
1: I'm doing well, man. I'm glad you can join me this evening. Um, for those uh, that don't know Chris, like I said, Chris is a an uh, investigator researcher out of the state of Washington. He's been investigating a particular area around Mount St. Helens for the last couple of years now. And he's uh, one of my favorite guys to talk to because one of the things he does is he stays put. He he doesn't travel around to all these different areas um, investigating all these reports. You've really, Chris, you've really stuck to one area in particular to try and learn it, to record some of the audio coming out of this area, and just get to know the area and the species in this area and so I you know you're like I said, Chris, you're one of my favorite people to talk to uh not just for that fact, but also because, like I mentioned before, you're very pragmatic and you don't jump to conclusions and even though you've had some very suspect activity, you're not going to call it Sasquatch, and I appreciate that, so you know uh, you know for for those that are listening, Chris, um what have you been up to lately I like I said, I've had you on the show before uh, more than once, uh, but what have you been up to as of late
0: um oh boy all over the place actually Um, I had to uh, this uh, spring had to go up to Alaska for work and so I hadn't been able to actually record in my area the last recording I had in my area was just before I went in May up to Alaska and I actually got to finally get back up to my area and record uh, the weekend before last which was nice Um, but yeah I went to Alaska for about three weeks and for work, but I did record up in Alaska on Prince of Wales Island, so that was fun. Mm. Um, lots of bears up there, <laughs> and uh, yeah. since then, it's just uh, between work, I've um, been doing a lot of camping. i um gone camping twice with my good friend, Shelly, and we camped up around Morton, and then we camped over near Mount Adams, and uh did a camp with my good friend Rebecca up um, on Leech Lake, which is at the top of White Pass, um, right in the middle of the Cascades on the uh, Pacific Crest Trail, and yeah, just yeah, been enjoying the outdoors quite a bit, so.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, you really have. You know, You know, Prince of Wales Island, I was jealous when you told me, even though you were going there for work. I was a little bit jealous because, you know, between Vancouver Island and Prince of Wales Island, those are islands known as, you know, Sasquatch Islands. And uh, yeah. they, both, they both have an incredible amount of history, um, uh, especially with the Natives and in, in, in Native Americans. And Prince of Wales Island, you know, I mean, a lot of the Native Americans there and the folk that live there just kind of take Sasquatch for granted from what I hear yeah. from those I've talked to. I mean, is that, was, is that something that you, you know to be true?
0: Well, I, you know, I didn't, I was in a man camp and I was uh, three hours away from the uh, the closest town would have been, um, oh, gosh, I can't remember the name. Not Hoist. Hoist is where we came in on the ferry, but we're about three hours from Hoyce. And uh, at, we were at the northeastern northwestern tip of uh, Prince of Wales. Uh, Calder Bay is actually what it's called. And um, yeah, I didn't really get to talk to any of the... The locals. I mean, I worked with some Alaska guys, but they were from different areas of Alaska. Flew in to do the job with us and stuff. But uh, it, I did. You know, I met, I met one guy. I actually we did. Uh, we had one day off a week, and we did some did a really long hike. We did about oh twelve mile hike around the camp um, on our one day off, and he he's from uh, the uh, mainland, but. I didn't really tell him what I was into at first, but during the hike I did, and you know he's like, "Oh no, I know lots of people." And he's like, "I I don't have a problem with them existing, especially up here." So that was kind of cool, and I don't know. I, while I was up there, I had uh, I would read, I'd borrowed a Raincoat Sasquatch, and I finally read that book while I, while I was on Prince of Wales. So that was really neat because I actually was on the island and there's a ton of of stuff that's happened there. Um, And I tell you, I tell you what, it is, it is, I love it up there. And I wouldn't mind living up there someday (laughs) because there's hardly any people and the amount of wildlife is just unbelievable. I mean, our first, when we got there, uh, we drove, we got, you know, it was a long trip getting up there. We had to take the ferry instead of the float plane and uh the drive from hoist up to the camp i'm not kidding we saw over 150 deer on the road i mean it just the deer are like rabbits down here all over the side of the road in the evening and um my you know my very first night as we're going into camp a bear popped out in the middle of the road was running down the middle of the road i end up seeing eight black bear while i was up there in the meantime i've lived all my life in washington state and only seen three so um you know in person but yeah it was it was a fun trip i mean there's so much uh game and wildlife we were on the bay um the bay just literally tens of thousands of clams we we walked around in on the bay into there's a little creek um, next to the camp that we walked up and my buddy actually i didn't bring my fishing pole i wish i had he brought his he caught nice steelhead out of it and um, but just the the enormous amount of uh mussels and clams i mean clams the size of your hand, and there's so much protein there it's hard Yeah, it's hard to believe there's not enough food there for sasquatch if i mean if if sasquatch exists, I guarantee they're on Prince wells island <laughs> yeah <laughs> it that, sounds that's my yeah
1: favorite. it sounds like the perfect habitat uh, and you know you mentioned raincoat sasquatch. And uh, I believe it's Robert Alley's the author. He fantastic uh, book, uh, and it, it, he does have um, stories and whatnot from Prince of Wales Island, inclu- including a uh, possible, or at least an interesting nest find. And that's what I how I was led to that book that was found on Prince of Wales oh, Island. So, well,
0: oh yeah, I, yeah. Was, I was reading that, and I remember I well, I I texted you. I got to that chapter. I'm like, have you read this? This is yeah. Really, really, really similar to your guys' situation. <laughs> so, yeah, extremely
1: um, similar. And, yeah, I know and, and the pictures uh, are fantastic in the book. Uh, but, yeah, Prince Prince Wales Island, uh, you know, like I said, I was jealous that you had made it there. But I'm glad you did, and you did get to travel around and enjoy the scenery and check out uh, some of the uh, natural resources in the area. And it was neat to hear your feedback, uh, as I've never oh, dude, been there. I'm but
0: definitely going back. I know for sure my company, because uh, we finished the job sooner than we were supposed to be up there for five weeks, and we end up being up there only three weeks. So, I was a little disappointed. But you know, the company that my co- company was subbing for um, was very happy. So we're probably going to be up there next year doing more work for them. So I'll definitely be going then. But e- even you know, when I get down the road, I I plan on I'd like to take a month off in the summertime and just. Drive the island and camp out. Take that book with me and just hit the different places in the book. Yeah. So, well, but, fantastic! Yeah,
1: You'll have to cool. keep us posted when you do, when and if you do that, which I'm sure you will.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Definitely.
1: Uh, one of the things, Chris. One of the things we when we had you on the show before, like I've said, but. One of the things that you've really taken upon yourself to really get to know is audio and audio recording and the ins and outs of the vis- uh, you know, visually looking at the audio. Uh, and so um, I know you've shared with me some of your your audio, and, and uh, uh, some of it is very um, – there's one that we call the ape fit that I think it's just <laughs> – man, it's just one of my favorite because it's similar to something I recorded but different. And uh, uh-huh. that to me is a very compelling, very interesting piece of audio. Um, but you've also gotten audio that's kind of stumped you at times, um, that you oh, at yeah. first, you know, were very hesitant as to saying what it was. And then, of course, being as uh, as who you are, you're, you're so determined to figure out what it is. And you have, I mean, uh, you've recorded elk that uh, uh, you know uh, that make
0: creepy a, moaner. A,
1: Creepy moaner, yeah, the creepy moaner, uh, aw- ah, yeah. you know, very odd sounds. Uh, you know, can you speak a little bit about you know the audio and, and some of the stuff you've been recording in your area X1 and whatnot? Because uh, some of it, you know, some of it you can't explain, and, and I listening to it can't explain, and to me is very very suspect, uh, and maybe uh, maybe a Sasquatch. But uh, you've recorded other stuff. Um, you know, I often say, on this isn't my quote; someone told me this uh, that. You know, we don't know all the animal noise, sounds out there. I mean, you just can't record them all because animals can make a multitude of sounds. And it's kind of like me walking into a room and stubbing my toe. Uh, well, guess what? <laughs> I'm going to make sounds. If I stub my toe, I'm going to make sounds that I never knew I was capable of making. Well, I, I think this is, the same thing goes with known animals. We just don't know all the sounds they can make. But we can record them, compare them uh, visually. Uh, and record those and then after a time in a given an area in a given area, you may uh figure out exactly what that suspect sound is. And I, I you have done this to a T, Chris.
0: Well, and that's kinda of what I mean I am I set out to kinda of do that and I, I got I was inspired by, you know, listening to others into into sound and um you know, I happened to stumble onto an area that had some interesting Features to it, and I started recording there. And you know, when I first started, I was wasn't as serious as I am now, but I was learning. And you know, everything was freaking new. And I used to think that, you know, I've grown up here in uh, Washington State, always done been an outdoorsman, hunting, fishing, all that.
1: Oh, I've been out in
0: the woods. And I know what everything is. And well, you stick a recorder out there for two days and then review it. No, you don't. Um, we. When we go out into nature, we're focused on whatever we're doing, whether we're we're hunting or whether we're going mushroom picking or shed hunting or um, fishing. I mean, we're thinking about what we're actually doing. We're not thinking about what we hear a lot of times and we miss stuff. And uh, But when you have to sit down and review audio, and I use Sonic Visualizer, and it, it gives you a visual picture, um, you start realizing there's a lot of noises out there that you – didn't know about I mean I may have a lot of experience in the outdoors, but there I've learned so much in the last two and a half years is ridiculous um, you know my one of my first you know first suspect things that I've later uh determined wasn't suspect was a darn frog, but it was it was the way my recorder was picking it up it was at at a distance it sounded just like a gibbon whooping. And I, I, you know, I played it for other people, and there it sounds like there's gibbons up there, dude. That's freaking cool. But one of the things about it that bothered me, and something that I really, I always pay attention to, if if there's anything repetitive, if it's identical signatures on sonic visualizer, and it's happening happening repetitively, guaranteed, it's going to be a bird or an amphibian. In this case, um, great point. It took it took me three months. I finally got a recording of the little bugger where he was close enough to the recorder where it got his whole... It was the same call. It was a repetitive call, and it it was a frog. You know, but because of distance... um, That's the other thing about sound. It sounds ambiguous. Um, You can't... You you can kind of judge distance, and I've done experiments with knocking at different distances to my recorder. So I can get a visual... I got a rough visual idea of how far away something is. Um, But usually, it's never going to be perfect. Um, And that was the other reason I record in the same area all the time, because each area has its own sounds. And and the way sound Mm -hmm. travels within that area is going to affect what you hear. And so with X1, I have a a roughly good idea of um, distance. But it's not perfect. It never will be because you're not there actually visually watching whatever is making the sound. And that's that's the only way being stuff. You have to actually visually watch the animal or the thing make the sound. So you can't jump to conclusions right away. Um, Later on, I I recorded in – 2015 was a pretty hot year. I recorded – I mean, I still – I've got suspect whistles, suspect uh, wood knocking – um, and I've had several personal experiences While going in there
1: um, But I
0: also started recording Around the end of August In 2015 A, a moan And it it, it sounded like uh, When I first heard it It sounded just like I don't know if you ever watched the Brady Bunch When the kids were haunting the house And they made the creepy moan It sounded just like that And I was getting that it, But it was always distant but I, I mean, everybody I played it for, that's not an elk. That's nothing. No one, I mean, that's not a coyote. That's not a wolf. That's, that's, you know, everyone's like, that's freaking cool. Mm-hmm. Um, bothered me, you know, into August, I recorded it a dozen different times, August through the end of September. Well, guess what was happening in 2015 at that time? The bulls were rutting. Yeah. And that was always in the back of my mind. Um fast forward 2016 I start picking up the same bone again but this time it's closer and then there's whistles bull whistles coming after it and that's when I'm like this is a freaking elk I know it is and every I still had good friends that I think are pretty smart people they would argue with me about it mm-hmm. and I'm like no oh, dude it it's too it's too consistent it's the time of year it's when the bulls are running and now I'm getting bull whistles with it because it's close enough. I'm picking up those whistles. Um, you know, I, I was pretty sure it was a bull, but I couldn't find a recording. Uh, you know, and I, I, I use, uh, the Cornell Institute, uh, uh, Macaulay library sound. Yeah. I couldn't find any, I could not find anything there. I, I, I've looked old, and I'd had, um, uh, one of my friends, he did find, uh, a biologist article where they did, they talked about bulls. A lot of times when they're bedded down, will do a kind of a moan sound. And, um, but I couldn't, I haven't hadn't at that point. I hadn't been able to find a recording to match what I had. Well, as time, and a couple of weeks after I had basically in my mind, I knew it was an elk. Um, a couple of weeks after that, I got a game camera picture at, uh, It was like 3.33 a.m. It was the moan and bull whistle. And at the exact same time on my recorder, my recorder was recording about 50 yards from where the game camera was. My creepy moan and bull was in front of that camera. And so I knew right then. And it gets better. People still wanted to argue with me about it, Timber, with another good friend who was setting up audio and the sucker does it 30 yards from us. He was bedded down in the marsh right above us and uh he stood up and did it right in front of us. <laughs> so, I visually saw the animal do it. <laughs> so there's no arguing about it anymore, you know. I just Yeah. but that's yeah, that's that's, you know, that's an example is like I I in 2015 when I first recorded it, yes, I wanted it to be a Bigfoot, but You know, I can't, I go with my gut instinct, and when something tells me that you got, there's other things going on here, you've got to investigate this further, so. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. It's a bull elk, and his name is Creeper Motor now, and he makes, yeah he makes a unique sound. He is, and that's the other thing, animals, they can make their own unique sounds. They're all different animals. I mean, there might be the same, when you get into bigger mammals, like elk and deer and even the coyotes they make their own individual unique sounds. And if you pay attention you will start seeing it. I mean I have a coyote in my area, his name is Waldo. He has a very unique howl compared to other coyotes that have recorded in other areas. But that's what I mean. You don't you don't learn that until you sit down and actually do what I'm doing, which is focusing on one area and then I do go to other areas but I will always I'm always gonna record in and around x1 because i know it i mean now it's like it's really kind of boring going through audio now because i already know all the stuff that's going on i mean it's not boring because every so often you do get that one sound that's like ah, okay this isn't um i haven't been able to explain this one yet so anyway yeah yeah
1: no, yeah, no. I mean, kudos to you, Chris, because you're exactly right. And that's one of the things that I love about what you do is that you you focus in on one area. You've got to know. You got to know all. Uh, I mean, predominantly most of the species in the area, and the sounds they make, and you realize that some of these species, like elk and, and frogs, and all these other things, do make unique sounds that will, will throw you a loop. But you don't jump to the conclusion that it's Sasquatch. I can jump on YouTube, or any other social media site.
0: <laughs> and
1: and 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 everybody's claiming, well, I record a sasquatch or this or that, and I'm thinking, well, how do you know? Did you visually, like as you mentioned before, did you visually see a sasquatch do that? Now, some of the sounds are very interesting, and, and you know, but I'm not familiar with every sound an animal can make. Uh, right. I don't think anybody at Cornell, the university you refer to, has an the most tremendous, largest animal sound database out there. Yet, doesn't have them all, and. One right. of the key things is to research an area for a long period of time because those animals come through and they, they go back and forth, you know, like elk and deer and, and, and fox, uh, which is notorious for a lot of the sounds on YouTube. But uh, you get these different animals that make different sounds. Uh, but you, you do, Chris, one of the cool things is you do have some audio that is very compelling and interesting and very, very suspect uh, that – uh, doesn't match anything you know that I've ever heard, but matches some of the suspect recordings that I've had that I have personally, and that others have that I take value in, um, that yeah. are very suspicious. And so, um, those recordings yeah, are few and few and far between, but they're there. And one of the cool things, real quick, about the audio is the longer recording area and learning area when you when you you get that uh whether it's a knock or a growl or in your case with one particular piece of audio kind of a, a eight fit as I call it, they stand out
0: oh yeah it's you i mean now it's like I see it, and I know I'm like, okay, this is what I'm looking for, and honestly you know an x one i I'll be honest, I am backed up on reviewing audio. I still have audio going from March through um April that I haven't reviewed yet. Right. Um and but really since uh I recorded eight pit that was September of 2016 last year I haven't recorded anything that I would I would deem the target subjects. Um since then I and it doesn't surprise me because they exactly. they're not going to stay in one spot all the time. And, but for some reason, there's a unique aspect to that area that I, I hypothesize that they do go in there once in a while. Sometimes they're more they're more than others. So, yeah. You know, well, the
1: area it's, the area you're researching yeah. in, historically speaking, uh, I mean, we're talking you know Bigfoot up the yin yang, uh, you know, uh, anywhere around Mount St. Saint- Helens, anywhere around that area, historically and even currently is kind of a Hate the word, but Bigfoot hotspot, or, you know, so, right. um, yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it is what that, it is, that's uh, other,
0: you know, yeah. that, that was the other thing about the area when I picked it, it's because I, you know, I, I'm, I was a history major in college, and anthropology was my minor, so I'm, I'm extremely interested in Native American stories, and, um, I've recorded some of the stuff, a lot of the, uh, tribes that utilize the Mount St. Hell's area I've recorded stuff that they've talked about in their stories. That intrigues me. Um, so, that, I mean, that's just, I don't, know, to me, that's more profound than some of the newer reports from the area. But when I, when I record something that native Americans are talking about in stories that are, who knows how many generations old, that, that gets me excited. So, yeah.
1: No, no. Well, well, well said. Um, well, I'm going to shift gears here a little bit because uh, there's a few things that and I invite you on the show because of your candor and your intellect and your uh, the way you analyze things. And we kind of talked, you know, we talked about uh, you jumped on the show a couple of weeks back and we we were discussing, you know, some of the, the topics out there. And I had a, a little bit of a list of some of the things over the years that I've never really discussed on the show, but that have uh interested in me, and I wanted to find out more about them and, and why people are seeing what they're seeing or where they're seeing something in some of these areas. And one of them, Chris, was um, uh, Bigfoot, uh, you know, Bigfoot uh, seen around cemeteries, um, you know, and what sparked this for me truly was <clears throat> I live up in Washington now, and I was driving by a cemetery not, you know, uh, a few months back, and I'm I was past the cemetery. It's a big cemetery, and it's got you know, it's it's fairly open. There's no trees. There's trees encircling it, but there's no trees in in the actual cemetery itself. And it's got a lot of green grass and there's flowers there and whatnot. And I see a couple of deer hanging out in the cemetery, eating the grass and whatnot. And it, it struck a chord with me because, I over you know over the years and having spent you know a lot of time researching the, the subject Sasquatch and hearing stories come to me and reading stories, people often say or oh, that. Uh, not often, but they have said uh, that they've seen Sasquatch in a cemetery or around a cemetery or a graveyard, um, and 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 they and for some, not everybody, but for some, you know, they they try to pull in the paranormal aspect. Well, it's a cemetery, and you have Sasquatch. It must be some sort of paranormal thing to it, and that always oh, kind oh. of irked me. It always kind of irked me, and I, you know, and but I never really gave it too much thought until I saw those deer in that... Um, uh, particular cemetery, and then I, it got the wheels turning for me. And I thought, well, do you know what? I don't, you know, uh, this is something I want to talk about and something I want to look into. Why are Bigfoot occasionally seen um, in cemeteries and around graveyards and whatnot? And the more I looked into it, the more uh, rational my thought process came, you know? you know. And so um, for me personally, uh, and I'll let you jump in here in a sec, Chris, but uh, the more I looked into it, it made a lot of sense for me. Why Sasquatch would be seen around a cemetery or graveyard periodically, uh, and there's a couple reasons, and I'll state them now. One, you have this, the, you know, graveyards and cemeteries are pretty well maintained for the most part. Uh, you know, they're they're watered. You got this green grass growing. The sunlight's hitting them. Uh, people are putting flowers and interesting things around some of these these, you know, their loved ones. You know, they're putting them on their grave sites um they're open and a lot of times especially up here in Washington they back up to a forest or some sort of yeah. forested land and you get deer and other ungulates coming <laughs> in there to graze the grass and and feed around that uh you know it, it's easily
0: traveling back but and forth generally and quit, on the out- it, yeah in quick skip yeah of of town yeah they're not yeah. On, they're not in the middle of the town usually and that's a great point.
1: And 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 you know if you know um if a deer gets spooked you can you know especially up here in Washington around some of these not all of them but some of these cemeteries and graveyards they can dive into the woods and they're gone. And so I thought, you know, I if I'm a Sasquatch and this ties into um power lines. Power lines, you know, people see, you know, a lot of people put trail cameras or 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 stock these areas because Sasquatch is seen around power lines. Well, power lines you got this clear area, just like a clear cut which falls into this category, too, as far as I'm concerned. you got this clear cut or this power line where you've got this strip of cleared area, and the grass grows in this area because the sunlight's penetrating, you get rain and water in there, and the grass grows. Yeah, I
0: guess, that's, guess what? You're going to see lots of elk and deer on those power lines, too.
1: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I mean yeah. that's just how – you see where I'm going with this.
0: What's your thoughts, Chris? Yeah. No, no, I agree with you. Um, you know, so anywhere – um, on the outskirts of town where you know we've manipulated the landscape it, a lot of times we don't realize it. I, I think most smart people realize it we manipulate it in a way that's beneficial to especially the ungulates um, clear cuts uh, what happens is, like, like a, a 3 or 4 year old clear cut that's why you see elk and deer in it because the vegetation that grows up after the timber has been cut is what they feed on Um and so, you know, the hunter, all hunters know, you, you go glass clear cut at first light because odds are you're going to catch a deer or an elk going to be in the clear cuts. I mean, I thermed actually, three weeks ago, I thermed a bull down in the clear cut where I was camped up by Mount Adams. So, and that was in the middle of the night, but that's what they do. They, they I mean, it, it, the natural vegetation that grows up after the, big timber has been cleared is what those ungulates feed upon. So you know, we you know, and it's also um I think we were talking about this at Beachfoot. Um in my area, you know, most of the most of the property is uh big timber company property and it's it's gated and locked off. Um and it's not as accessible as it used to be uh for hunters. Which I kind of think is a good thing, um, for several reasons. It may—it's one of those—it's catch twenty-two. A lot of places that I used to used to hunt, i i mean to anymore. But um, the number of hunters that are going out in the woods has drastically reduced. Um, you have these these you have the animals. I—I I, okay, I got off track. I got. Talking to all my hunting, all my hunting partners last year, every single one of them that bought the permit so they could actually go on to the timber company's property and got keys to their gate, they all filled the tags. Not one of them got skunked, and they didn't see hardly any people. Whereas you know, and I don't big hang, get, I don't big game hunt anymore myself. But uh, part of the reason I quit is just because it, there was just I got tired of running it into so many people um but because of this gate system that's set up now you got fewer guys out there the game's uh thriving because there's fewer people out there um there's less competition for that game so it, to me it, it makes sense that well if there is a sasquatch then they're probably benefiting from that gate system too um but Yeah, I got off topic, but back to what you are saying, like, around um, uh, one of the, the town that's closest to my recording area, it's unbelievable, on the, the outskirts of that town, how much game is around it, how much game is so close to human habitation, um, because we just inadvertently, we create situations that especially deer, rabbit, um, coyotes, they, they thrive on, and so... I don't know. One of the things for me is I have no problem with Bigfoot getting close to human habitation, especially in the winter time. Um I think i definitely smart enough to utilize what other animals are utilizing because of us. So, yeah. anyways, I'll let yeah. you go Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs>
1: very valid. And, and no, great points, Chris, great points. Uh, and, and like you mentioned, you know, one of the things when – you go on these Bigfoot expeditions and people are out therming. One one of the hottest spots people therm are, are clear cuts because the amount of game in these areas, even late at night, two in the morning, you're going to find deer right. and elk and every other critter out there in these clear cuts. And um, it makes sense for me personally that Sasquatch are going to hang around these areas because of these, they've been manipulated. And and that's what you know these, these, these uh, animals congregate because of the easy access to food um the safety and everything else. I mean you got to clear, you know, they come in there and feed and they can hop into the woods real quick and disappear. Exactly. So it really yep. it's not mind-boggling to me. And I think the the uh the cemeteries, these these graveyards are kind of a you know, the same sort of thing. You mentioned a, you made a great point uh, being on the outskirts of town usually. And the one I pass um and I didn't even think about this till you mentioned it is on the outskirts of town. It's it once you uh, past the cemetery, you're in the middle of pretty much nowhere and there' you know thousands and thousands of acres of forest and creeks and rivers and everything um, it's not mind boggling and and I've never taken a report from this I'll say that now I've never taken a report from this particular uh cemetery, but I've just noticed over the years you know people um saying you no know, they've seen a sasquatch in there and whatnot and some of these and some of these uh uh, gravestones are rather tall, uh, you know, and, and so it's kind of easy, quick, and dive cover um, before they hit yeah. the wood. So there's not, for me, I don't try in the paranormal stuff. It, it's it's very, if you, you rationally think about it, it's explainable, just as we discussed the clear cuts and the power lines. There's a reason animals in general and hunters are attracted to these areas. Now, hunters aren't attracted to, at least I hope not to, graveyard and cemeteries but (laughs) uh you know anywhere where the sunlight is penetrating these areas and you got this this lush grass um you know in cemeteries and when you got people are laying down flowers and everything else and uh those are you know you get different colors i mean if i'm a sasquatch i may be interested in you know hypothesizing of course interested in well look at this fresh this weird colored plant let me go take a nibble, you know, I mean, it's kind of morbid, I guess, but, uh, you know, just, like I said, (laughs) hypothesizing as to why uh, something like a Sasquatch would be seen in these areas, Um, but I think it's very rational.
0: Yeah, and you made another point, people don't just leave flowers, they they leave little trinkets, and, you know, you see, I mean, I've seen train catchers and stuff like that Um, when I go up to my grandparents' uh, grave, and so there's interesting stuff there and, uh, you know, there's a lot of reports for Sasquatch they seem to be curious and they check out stuff that we do. So, you know, they, there's a lot of different reasons they could be there, honestly. Yeah. Whether it's just curiosity or the fact that there's probably game there, I guarantee there's rabbits besides deer. Um, you know, it's, I, I I have no problem with it. I just, I don't. And like you, I just the paranormal is the last thing I go to with Bigfoot because just they're two different things. That's my opinion. Um, and I think yeah. that a lot of people they yeah I I get it. I, there's a, a lot of sounds that I've recorded. I've wanted them to be Bigfoot, and uh, I'm big. I have to catch myself even now i'm I'm better I'm way better at it than when I first started, but confirmation <laughs> bias dude, catch myself doing that um whereas I want something to be something, and I will listen to a rational reason for for it, but I won't believe the rational reason because I want it to be something um so yeah, confirmation bias is just rampant within the quote unquote bigfoot big community. Um, And a lot of good people, people I like, sweet, nice people, they got it in their heads, something's Bigfoot, you're not going to argue with them. Yeah, and it's it's almost not worth even arguing. It is not worth even arguing anymore, because I'm not going to convince so-and-so that they just put a YouTube of a barred owl on YouTube claiming it was Bigfoot, because in their mind, they've been recording Bigfoot mimicking barred owls for 20 years, and uh, I don't know anything about it, so they do, so just sorry that actually happened but, oh yeah you know, oh yeah it's it's you know if if it sounds like a bard owl pretty sure it's a bard owl <laughs> you know unless yeah. you're bigfoot mimic a barred owl it's not a bigfoot sorry
1: right right no now is bigfoot capable of mimicking stuff possibly yeah, I no uh, you problem. know
0: that's the that's yeah. yeah that's the other end of it i have no problem With Bigfoot being able to mimic stuff. But until I see a Bigfoot actually mimicking something, if I record something – I mean – oh, I got an example. I recorded a screwed-up barred owl call in 2015, and what was going on. It was early morning, and I'd heard a barred owl. I'd recorded a barred owl, and then uh, a couple minutes later, this really weird – it didn't sound right, but it was was like a barred owl. I'm like, what the heck? It dawned on me, there was Stellar Jay in the area, and he mimicked the bardo. Well, I think he did, because he was making a whole bunch of ruckus, and then that weird, screwed up call came in. It. it wasn't Bigfoot, I know that. Um, was it wasn't the Stellar Jay. I don't know that for sure, because I didn't see it do it. But the tone of it and the way it came out, it just made more sense that it was the Stellar Jay. Stellar Jays, a lot of people don't realize, they do mimic. Ravens mimic, crows mimic. Oh, yeah. All the J-Families mimic, and I've heard some crazy, crazy stuff out of Ravens and Crows. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, the, I'm not opposed to Bigfoot mimicking, but I just – I think before we can say Bigfoot mimics, we need to prove Bigfoot exists and actually observe him mimicking. So anything no, – well, for me, yeah. this this is my personal opinion. Yeah. I, no, no, wh- well said. To, Go, keep going. Yeah. Well, I've got to dis- – I personally – you know, I mark stuff as suspect, but if something sounds like a known animal, I'm I I just I pretty much dismiss it because I can't prove it. I can't you prove anything to. about it. Um, because like, if you don't see the Bigfoot do it, then you can't say he did it. You know, and that's why everything's just suspect to me. But especially the whole mimicking thing is kind of a point of contention for me. I'm not opposed to it. I I think is very possible, but ninety nine percent of everything that is on YouTube or Facebook of quote unquote Bigfoot's mimicking is not Bigfoot. It's just right. it's confirmation bias is what it is.
1: Exactly. uh um, anyway, you
0: know sorry.
1: Like no, you're fine. Like we said, sound is so ambiguous because it it's a hearing thing and, and you know, it could be a visual thing putting on sonic visualizer, but until you you Really see the subject make the sound. You don't. You can't call it a Sasquatch. And 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 this folks has come from someone that I know Sasquatch exists. I know it exists. Uh, It's not a question for me. But I think if we were recording Sasquatch all the time, Sasquatch would have been proven a long time ago. Because you can do triangular, you know, uh, you know, audio triangulation and pinpoint stuff and blah blah blah, which we do do and we work on. But it's very ambiguous. And you know, I just got in a conversation. Um, a couple weeks back, from the gentleman who was from back east, um, and he played me some sounds, and, and instantly, I, I, you know, well, that was a screech owl and and whatnot. And he he disagreed with me. Well, you know, I that that's fair, you know, and I can I can live with that. I gave him my thoughts and opinions, um, and he disagreed with me, and he got a little adamant about it. And I said, you know, I'm I'm not going to argue with you. We have a difference of opinion. Uh, you didn't see the, the subject he recorded. You know, make that sound so you're just going off of I don't know what, but you're just going off of your gut or whatever, and maybe time in the woods. But I couldn't argue with him, it sounded like many of my recordings of, and I have recorded them and seen them in person barn owls and and barn owls and and, and screech owls make these sounds. So that was my opinion. But you know, you you could throw this up on YouTube, Chris. I tell you what, I got loads of cool audio, uh, crazy audio you could throw on YouTube and people would just jump on it in a heartbeat but we I know personally and I'm sure you're on the same boat, we don't do it because it's disingenuous, it's not honest and we know what's really making those sounds and right. uh that's un- it's unfortunate because this is why I think research kind of gets muddled and everything gets to be called sasquatch especially with sounds nowadays uh you know and uh but a true a true investigator, a true researcher, something that's really in it for the subject and the science of it all will will roll out everything, everything before they roll in a a possibility of being a Sasquatch because we don't know exactly what a Sasquatch is capable of doing or making. Um, For me personally, for me personally, I'll tell you this, when I, what it takes for me, uh, Knox, sure, Knox in a given area, at a given time and the power and the distance, all that, I I may roll in a suspect, but for me oh, yeah, personally, the, yeah, the sounds that really stick out in my head—and it's just me—are the ones that sound very, very primate, ape-like. Uh, oh, yeah. Whether it's a grunt, a yell, a scream, uh, something that you know, like the Ohio howl—that's just so long. Um, right. Something with big lungs would need to make, and and we have those recorded. I have a few audio pieces that I hold as as very suspect. And and I, I it's kind of my um, gold standard, I guess you'd say, in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, a particular chest slap, some solid knocks, some grunts. You know, and I've been around bear and everything to make these. You know, make grunts. I mean, you'd be surprised at what animals oh, yeah, can make grunts yeah, yeah. or th- oh, yeah. sound like they're making a grunt, right?
0: <laughs> right. No, I, I, I absolutely agree. I mean, yeah. My, anyways, uh, my yeah. Anyways, yeah 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 I mean um, we've going on,
1: on about the audio, you know, and I'm not gonna beat a dead horse here, uh, but you know people really have to to um realize in that Animals make a lot of different noises, and humans do as well. And we don't know all those noises oh, yeah. because we don't know the scenario that those noises are recorded. I mean, like I said, I can walk in a room and stub my toe and go, you know, make all ungodly uh, amounts of noise that and, and sounds that I didn't think I was capable of doing. And uh, are all those recorded? No, it, I, you know, so uh, you, or recognized. You know, another got, <laughs> so you,
0: another you know. thing you got to take in consideration, especially this time of year, you might think you're out in the middle of nowhere. And the only person out there, Bigfoot hunting, and you might capture some crazy ass whoops and knocks,
1: and it might be other
0: bigfooters out there that you don't know that are there that's that's something you should everyone should take in consideration too when you go out oh <clears> you know, what what is the situation with the who who all else is out there? Have you seen other people right. out there I mean
1: that's always
0: a consideration for me because especially this time of year you get other people out. In the middle woods, who watch Finding Big Fit, which is fine.
1: Oh, and yeah, yeah. Out and
0: they, they start hooting and hollering and just slamming on trees. And trust me, I've been in new areas that I've never been in. I've done wood knocks myself. I mean, I don't do it in my personal area because, it, as far as I'm concerned, when you start doing that, you kind of contaminate your recording. But uh, I always try to keep you know, the time of night when stuff happens. That's really important cause it. You know, like the wood knockings, you, you mentioned wood knocking. I can get wood knocks all day long because woodpeckers wood knock, you know. Um, right. But when when you get a wood knock
1: that sounds like
0: a player, I mean a baseball player is whacking a tree at 3.30 a.m., then that's got to make you pause a little bit. Um, yeah. And so but yeah, there's so many different aspects that I try to think of too. um this time of year though, there's a lot of people out there trying to find Bigfoot. And Yeah, yeah. You know, that's always a that's always something that you have to take into consideration when you get a recording. But of course right. I you you look at sound a lot. Like if you get an Ohio Howl how, and it's legit, you're gonna know it. <laughs> I mean yeah, yeah and, and, I I I'd yet to hear a person do mimic it perfectly. I mean I they, you you know, just don't there's not the power there.
1: Right. The, uh, you know, the Olympic Project did record something uh, up in the state of Washington in the Olympics recently that is similar to the Ohio Howl, and and you guys, if you're not familiar with it, just Google it, Ohio Howl, it'll pop right up. Um, We recorded something similar um, that we, that is very suspect, and so we roll it as suspect because it doesn't match any of the knowns that we've recorded, but does match in, in both visually and just the sound, the Ohio Hall, but I was going to uh, real quick before we shift gears. I was going to mention two things. <laughs> one was um, speaking of bigfooters being out in the woods. When you're out there, I was in an area of Mount Hood a couple of years back, in an area where I've had activity and uh, possible activity and, and some suspect stuff happening. I'm hiking out there, and it's this particular trail is a well-hiked trail during the day at night. Pretty everybody pretty much you know peels off and disappears. There's no one out there, um, but I was hiking out in this area. And it was close to a lake, and I come around a corner. And I hear someone, this small group of people talking, and it sound like teenagers. And someone said something like, "Hey, who out here can do a Bigfoot howl? There's Bigfoot out here." Blah blah blah. And, and I laughed at myself because I thought if I was several several hundred yards back, and I I had uh-huh. heard what what they did when I I heard it real up close, it was pretty good uh, whoop and a howl. I may have been going whoa whoa oh shoot uh-huh. there is something uh-huh. going on here, but. I was fortunate that I was close enough to these guys, and I thought about messing with them, but I wouldn't. I, it's not my character. <laughs> I you know, I, I did. It crossed my mind. Yeah. I won't lie. But yeah, um, <laughs> they made out this howl and this yell and this whoop. And, uh, you know, if someone's out, you know, uh, a mile out and heard this, they're probably going to call it a Bigfoot or suspect or whatever. And I was right. fortunate to be in that area at that time. So, I mean, how many times does that happen? But I also wanted to mention, you know, speaking of animals, I recorded uh, beaver slapping the water with their tail
0: oh yeah that's a good one i've got
1: that oh man i'll tell you what it's it 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 could be so loud and so uh, (laughs) ambiguous (laughs) in a lot of ways it could sound like a tree knock it could sound like something smacking the water diving in the water and so just an example of how tedious you have to be with with audio and 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 really look at everything known before you can roll in something suspect but i want to kind of shift gears here Chris Um, I want to get into something we have talked about the show before but uh, but something that always uh, comes up Uh, nine times out of ten you're going to see this on a social media website as as being categorized as Bigfoot and that is limb breaks tree breaks glyphs and the whole shebang Um, (laughs) I don't personally (laughs) I personally I have seen uh, literally I think I've seen two um, in, in as long as I've been doing this many years, two breaks other than the nesting site we're working on um, the nesting site the limb project is working on where there's multiple breaks in Huckleberry and stuff outside of that, just, I'm throwing that to the side just two breaks that I found very interesting and possibly suspect while hiking all the woods and this was on Mount Hood and both breaks were and they were just very suspect and weird, uh, sorry actually there's three one just came to mind but anyways um three that i would categorize as weird i'm not saying sasquatch did them but given the area what i was researching i have to throw into the weird or suspect or weirder meter you know nine you know ten area so um i mean what, what are your thoughts on on tree breaks limb breaks uh, and that, that sort of stuff. I mean, what if what if have you come across anything weird that you would attribute to possibly being a Sasquatch? Or I mean, wh- where do you lie in
0: that? I I will be honest. I kind of go back and forth on that. Um, Into I I can say like you, I can say I've seen maybe four that I I really really believe were the target subject. Um one was in 2013 when me and my son had a art experience and it was fresh and it wasn't just one. There was, you know, people don't break vine maples, twist break them. They're just, you don't do that. Um, in where it was in the situation, there's, there's also put impressions on the ground team. So it's not like there's never things that that's the, that's what I was going to get at is yeah. You find a, a twist break. What else? I mean, is there anything else to go with it? If it's just one twist break, um, what time of year is it? Because uh, if the elk or the deer still have their antlers, they they twist breaks it. <laughs> I'm sorry, I cussed. I didn't mean to do that. Um, but yeah, I've looked at twist breaks that were. Oh my gosh! It and you could you could see where the antlers had been on the tree, I've seen deer just wind uh, an alder tree up. You know, so the first thing, if I find something, a broken branch, I don't, broken branch, that's the big thing. It's like things break. Sorry. Right. Well, okay, you find it. You, you know, especially in the storms up here, it's crazy. You know how many down trees I find every year up in my area? Well, you first thing you look at is, it's stormy during the wintertime, but also alders have a tendency, they'll rot out. And at some point, the tree will still be alive, but half the freaking trunk will be rotted out, and it won't be able to support its weight anymore, and it'll just lay over. Well, I've seen people claim those are Bigfoot. No, it's the tree just couldn't support itself anymore, and a light breeze knocked it over. Um, but uh, if there's a twist to it, like a twist that I would expect a human to do, It's interesting, Uh, but the first thing you got to look for is claw marks and uh, antler marks. Bears climb up trees. I've watched a video where a bear cub was up a sapling alder, and mom, to get it down, just pushed the alder tree over. Um, You know, a lot of animals break stuff, you know. Um, For me, if it's a twist break and if it's that height – And depending on what kind of wood it is, too, um, I I, I dare you to go out and try to limb limb twist a a freaking vine maple. You know, one and a half to two inches thick. It's a fresh, live vine maple tree. That's not going to be easy to do. Um, And why would you do it? Um, And then I guess then the height where it's broke at. My favorite one is up in actually... Uh, Area X one, I got twist break, and it was it was actually cottonwood, but it's a very live, fresh tree. But it was eight feet up in the air, and it was twist broke, and it was I couldn't figure out how I I looked at the area. There was no markings on it. I couldn't figure out how the wind or the weather caused it, and it was a definite twist. Mm -hmm. But but that besides you know, and I've seen a couple others, but honestly, I. I'll look at them and I'll take a picture of it. But if I don't find any other circumstantial evidence with it, yeah. yeah, I I pretty much. Okay, cool. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's, what you know, What else I, are you gonna I, do? I, yeah, I don't know. I, you know, it's it's it now if I put a recorder out and I got eight fit and then I came into the area and found all these twist breaks and heard eight fit, then it, yeah, I would say okay, yeah, there's something here. Um, mm-hmm. But it, that generally doesn't happen. Um, right. It's interesting, though. I I have um I have recorded an area we just talked about. I just got a recorder up there right now. I recorded in T1 for a long time. I haven't been there for a long time, and I finally got up there this weekend. But uh, last year it would have been
1: no, yeah, it would have
0: been January of 2016. An instant where I recorded uh, some wood knocking. Um, and I recorded several interesting vocalizations, um, but we found a tree that had crawl over it and there was, there's a lot of beaver there. There's a creek there and there's a ton of beaver in it. And we found a, a beaver, I call them beaver sticks. Like sometimes they'll just chew up a stick and it's about the size of a club, maybe three inches in, um, diameter and it was right by the tree and something had, impacted that tree there was impact marks all over that tree did sasquatch do it i don't know but it was very intriguing to me because i had the recordings along with it where some there was knocking going on from you know about one o'clock in the morning till about four o'clock in the morning and before that i'd gotten several vocalizations that are really weird um so yeah yeah i look for stuff like that but um once again, unless you see the animal do it, you can't say it's it's Sasquatch. Um, yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. I, uh, I, uh, you know, the, one of the ones that I found interesting, um, and I find all sorts of, I mean, all sorts of, you know, tr- the tree structures. That do, the way Washington, Oregon, Northern California had a heck of a winter this year. Uh, where the deadfall just came. I mean, it was just some areas I go to were unrecognizable, and you could make out, if you really wanted to look into it, pareidolia speaking, you know, if you wanted to read into it, you'd see all sorts of exformations oh, yeah. and this and that, yeah. but it was really just a deadfall falling down. But some of the more suspect ones I have found were, uh, you know, a sapling uh, in an area where if there was a reported sighting. No, go ahead.
0: If it's fresh, no, if it's fresh, and a very live tree that intrigues me, but exactly. anything that and looks anything that looks it's, if it's old, I I don't even pay attention to it.
1: But if right, it's a right.
0: fresh and there's there's something else to go with it, then yeah, that will interest me. But um, I'm not gonna, yeah. Anyways, go on. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, no,
1: no. Great point. It's uh, all. Cer- uh, gonna you know, say- it's
0: it's all circum circumstantial. It's all circumstantial and. That's why we have to be careful when we That's find why we have things. to
1: tread, tread lightly and, you know, take note, obviously take note, and, and, and yeah. this is where the data comes into play. But, you know, some of the uh, – a couple of the ones I found interesting, and literally a, a couple, uh, was one that I found the sapling where the top was snapped off about, oh, and it, it was a thin pine. Uh, it was uh, about eight feet off the ground. It was snapped off, and the ground around it had been – something big had been standing there. And it was right after someone had a siding in the general vicinity. It was fresh. It was a fresh right. break. It really didn't make sense to me. It was, wasn't next to a road because if something's next to a road and you see something snapped off, I almost immediately uh, rule it out because vehicles and, and whatnot, uh, people will do weird um, – when I'm walking around the woods, sometimes I'll snap off something. You know, it's just my, just me. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm doing – you know, so uh, it can be explained away. But when I find something – kind of in the middle of nowhere, uh, where there's been a sighting or something. I'll, I'll take note of that. I have found a couple of those. One of uh, the more interesting ones I found was about three years ago, um, I was out with Gunnar Monson. We were checking out a, uh, an encounter report uh, in the Tillamook area along the Miami River, and this guy had was driving along this road, and up on this clear cut, he saw uh, you know, what he described as a big hairy ape going up this hill it peered over you know it looked around at him and it went up the hill and this is a very steep incline a very steep clear cut and so we were out there a couple of days later um and there was impressions uh he'd taken pictures of uh or sorry excuse me there was another gentleman in the same area it, it, within a couple of weeks that had taken uh, pictures of really pristine i mean some of the best uh footprints or impressions i've ever seen um and he this guy was in his uh, late 70s, I don't think he was hoaxing but anyways, combining those two stories I went to this clear cut area and he said this thing made up the clear cut in like a couple of minutes, and it's a big hill so I'm like, well I'm going to go up there and check for you know, evidence, and so I go up this clear cut, it took me like 10 to 15 minutes to get up to the top of this hill where he said this thing went up there like no bother, up in a couple of minutes well I get about three quarters way up there and I find this young sapling, uh, about three foot tall little pine, and it was weird because it looked like something uh, – I could see where something had gripped it because uh, it was stripped. No claw marks, no teeth marks, no uh, hoof marks along the base. But it looked like something had been twisting it in a circle. So at the base, uh, it looked like something was twisting it in a circle and, and trying to make it loose and pop it out. It was it was very right. odd, and I can make out an area where something had gri- looked like it had gripped it. That, to me, was odd. And I found a couple other breaks over the years that were very interesting to me, um, but to to uh, and, and, but it had, there had to be more of a backstory to it. There had to be something to it right. because I can I can go out literally. i can go in my backyard right now. I mean, living up here in Washington, I can find all sorts of uh, cool looking breaks oh, and snaps yeah, and twists and uh, you know, it's.
0: Uh, go, yeah, <laughs> I mean, there's X X one in spring, and uh, you know, it looks like. Uh, there's a colony of Bigfoot up there where the tree breaks. <laughs> you know, that's being <laughs> sarcastic, by the way. I, I, um, I get it. I get it. <laughs> you know, they're, they're, cause nature is nature. And, uh, yeah, it's not every tree or branch that gets broken in the woods is, is done by a Sasquatch. Most of it's yeah. done by weather, elk, deer, or bear.
1: Yeah. Or but, and, and, or or a vehicle or even a person occasionally in some of these yeah. areas, especially. I mean, you gotta you gotta look at the facts, you know. And uh, I mean, I have another story real quick. Um, I was up with Mark Marcel uh, a couple years ago. We were um, he had you know Mark Marcel is the guy known for finding uh, the Ape Canyon cabin site. Uh, you know, the Ape Canyon
0: right, right. occurrence
1: happened in 1924. Um, you know, and so he was up there, and he found, which I'm pretty dang sure he found, the actual cabin site, which is there's not, I mean there's, you there's nothing left. You can you find the uh, the base of the cabin and some wood and, and nails and this and that. But we were up there, and they had had uh, previously before I'd been up there, they had some very suspect activity. One of the guys that was with Mark originally when they found the area had described hearing spooked, spooked him out, spooked this guy out big time. He had, he was up there and he heard what he described as, it sounded like two big bikers arguing back and forth. So I'm thinking Ron Moorhead recordings, you know, up in the Sierras, you know, rah, 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 rah. right? and he said, yeah, it sounded like yeah. two bikers just arguing back and forth, but unintelligible un you know, he couldn't make out what they were saying it was unintelligible. Um, and so I, I already got that in my mind. I'm up there. We're camping for a couple of nights and I come across this tree break in, in this area. And it was, it was uh, you know, it was probably about 12 feet tall, the tree. The break was probably about, oh eight or 9 feet, uh, maybe a little bit lower, maybe 7. I didn't measure it, so I'm going to say 7. But it was an interesting tree break. I went, oh, well, this is in the vicinity where this guy was hearing the sounds and this and that. And I'm like, oh, this is interesting. Um, having done a little bit more research on it, you know, I'm sitting there studying it. I see a scrape on the side. And then I'm looking at the base of this tree, and I see I see hoof marks. <laughs> so I'm thinking, ah, elk. Elk's been uh-huh. up in this area. It was very apparent. I mean, I'll tell you, it was very apparent once I, I actually looked into a little bit deeper that an elk had uh, snapped this, you know, either got his antler caught up on it or just whatever, snapped, snapped it. And it was a straight snap. But there was a scrape mark there, and there was hoof marks all around, you know, uh, this tree. So – it was explainable. It wasn't uh, even though I'm in an area where it, historically speaking is a Sasquatch hotbed, it's had all sorts of stories coming out of this area. This was explainable, and I could not attribute to Sasquatch. I had to contribute you know attribute it to an elk because it was the snap and the right. scrape and the hoof mark. So I mean, hey, you know, can sasquatch or are they capable of doing something like this? Would they? Sure, I, I, I really do adhere to well, the I, fact that they, they probably I do occasionally. They do. Yeah, yeah, I bet yeah. they do. Yeah. I, I bet they <laughs> no. do as well. Um, you know, if you're in <laughs> the woods, and, and, and I mean, yeah, I mean, and there may be, see, people, I think, possibly put too much thought into, you know, oh, it's a directional marker, it's this, they're pointing to this, I. I think a lot of times, you know, if I'm in the woods, I'm just thinking of myself as a human. Um, I'm just, for no apparent reason, you know, uh, I'll just snap something. I'm walking by, I'll pluck something out of the ground, I'll snap something, and. I know a lot of other people. Well, you gets, know, people does, do this. Gets,
0: yeah, I get so thick where where I go. I do it just so I can clear my way through it. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I yeah, break yeah. branches all the time because usually I'm in on point and I got people behind me. So rather than flip them with a branch, I break it. So yeah,
1: I yeah. Don't know. And a lot of people I know, uh, I know hikers that when they go off trail will snap stuff so they can find their way back. And so I mean. Uh, right. Do, That's
0: do, part of it not, too. It's, it's yeah. it's, yeah. Um, I don't know. There's, yeah. I it's explainable in
1: uh, uh, a lot of, yeah, <laughs> it's explainable in a lot of circumstances, but do I think Sasquatch is capable and do I think Sasquatch has or done it? Yes, I, I do. Uh, absolutely, personally.
0: Absolutely. Um, I, yeah.
1: Yeah. Not an expert here people, but I, I do attribute that sort of behavior. I mean, put it this way. Great apes, I mean, you know, uh, and other primates do this, okay, They're just like throwing rocks. They've been caught on video doing it, and uh, so other known animals um, do this stuff, including people. So the thing is you have to be very careful and you have to tread lightly when, when you know, you see this stuff on YouTube and these other social media sites. You know, I mean, it's, it is what it is. I mean, it's probably going to be explained away. Um, but there are a few, and there are some that I find compelling that I've seen in person and been shared. You know, I've viewed. But uh, once again, um, just like audio, even those snaps are very ambiguous. You just don't know what you're really looking at. Um, but do do uh, you know? I'd I like those that really, like yourself, uh, Chris, that really look at what they're looking at and and try to figure out. Okay, what are the possibilities here uh, of known, you know, known animals making this stuff? But anyways. Going to shift gears again here. Um, really enjoying this conversation, but I want to talk about something that I don't want to say it's going to be controversial. Uh, I hope it's not, uh, but uh, something that I've thought about for a number of years myself personally is is, is Sasquatch, uh, the relationship with Sasquatch and Native Americans, more specifically. Sasquatch seen on Native American land. You know these sovereign nations where where um, Sasquatch. You know a lot of way a lot of times seem to like you know Prince Wales Island. Some of these other areas where there's a lot of Native Americans uh, where, where Sasquatch is seen a lot, or you know supposedly seen a lot. Um, I have like, theories and ideas on this, uh, uh, and I I'm not trying to uh, steer this in a negative. Way or a format when I, I'm trying to look at this this logically because I do get a lot of reports on Na, Native American lands um, and and right. I've read about a lot of of SASCOR reports on Native American lands but I think it can be explained logically um, and and I could be wrong I'll admit I could be wrong but I got some ideas but I'm curious as to what you think about some of these reports coming from uh, not well historically but even even today when people um, claim to see Sasquatch on some of these Native American lands, these sovereign nation
0: lands. What are your thoughts, Chris? Um, honestly, I haven't thought about it. No. Um, <laughs> well, no. Uh, well, just off the top of my head, first off, um, the general public doesn't normally have access to those lands. You're talking about, at least in Washington, like the Yakima tribe has, you got to get a permit to go on their, their res, and they don't, I mean, there's land that a lot of people don't get to go on, and so there's probably fewer people, and to me, the fewer the people are, the greater opportunity for the target subjects to, um, thrive and maybe be there more often, so, they, you know, that's my first thought on it, um, where were you going? And then I'll catch up.
1: <laughs> yeah, no problem. So, actually, you you kind of stole my thunder there. Uh, exactly what I was going to say was that um, whether you're a hunter or just – I didn't
0: just, mean uh, to steal your thunder. I'm sorry, dude. <laughs>
1: no, no, no. You, that was perfect. I, I caught you off guard, and, and I didn't mean to. But, anyways, um, that's, that, that's honest radio there, so I like that. Um, but, basically, what I was going to – kind of talk about was the fact that yeah i mean that what you just said is one thing you know that most uh people don't have access to these lands whether you're a hunter or a layman or whatever these are this is native american land as it should be um right so i have no no argument there um but we're talking about a lot of i mean a lot of a lot of land that is not harvested for lumber it's not hunted predominantly by outsiders about the hunting thing. Um, I, I have been around uh, some Native Americans and, and been in some of these areas. And predominantly, I mean, the, the wildlife is so abundant that they really, I mean, I'm not going to speak for the whole, I, I don't I don't want to start an argument or naysay here, but uh, a lot of the uh, folk that I've been around, they really don't have to go far to hunt. I mean, they can almost literally hunt right out their back right. door. And so you got pristine land, land that is, is, is abundant, that really nobody goes into the back country of some of these areas. I mean, I, there's areas I can hike into, and I have to stop because it's an area that I cannot enter. I was just in, in one of these areas this past weekend where I could not enter because it's it's uh, Native American land. Um, like I said, as it should be, but um, it's an area I could not enter. And so... If I'm a Sasquatch and want to be comfortable and safe, that's an area I'm going to go into because there's going to be less exactly. traffic. There's going to be less people out there, um, if no, anybody. Um, and I'm not, you know, as you know, a hunter and whatnot. I mean, it's an area I can't hunt. Uh, and uh, the the natural resources in some of these areas are ridiculous because the animals are smart. They know where to go to and to congregate. And if I'm a deer and elk or or you know some other uh, critter that's going to be hunted. Well, I just hop across this little border, and I'm probably safe. Even though, don't get me wrong, Native Americans do hunt, but they they, they kind of respect their land well, a lot more in a lot of ways, and so they they don't need to really travel far to hunt game.
0: <laughs> well, and the the other thing to consider is like even I know as. A guy, you know i muzzle loaded for elk for years i mean 20 plus years and you know i we would always we'd be hunting in the Calweman unit and it's three pointer better in the Calweman unit and you would be on the line between the Calweman unit and the Tootle unit and everything you saw in the Calweman unit literally there's a road that's line would be a spike or cows. You look over in glass, a clear cut in the tool unit, and you would see all these five by sixes. You know, they know where they're going to get chased. I mean, ungulates know. It's every hunter in Washington knows that the deer aren't stupid. Where they're not being shot at and chased is where they're going to go. Where they're not encountering humans, that's where they're going to go during hunting season. And they, I, I mean. I think it's just – it's like the seasons change for those animals. They know when they need to be more uh, stealth or whatever, need to avoid us. It's just like I, I I really believe known animals, they can tell the difference between a hunter walking in the woods and a guy that's just out hiking. A guy that's just out hiking is going to see more game. It's, that's a fact. You yeah. go out in the yeah. woods and get your stealth game on. I mean, and I'm not – I wasn't a bad hunter. I filled my deer tag every year for 20 years. I didn't do so well for elk, but virtually every deer I shot it was when I was not trying to be quiet. I was just happened to be walking back to camp or whatever and not acting like a predator. And, uh, you know, you pick up on the, the, the point. My point was an area that's not getting trafficked, that's an area where game is going to congregate and that's an area if there there's a Sasquatch around, I would assume he would want to go to. So it's yeah, yeah, not clean, you, you know, it's, it, it's like, I still, like we talked about earlier, I still, there's a lot of gamer in these urban areas. I mean, I mean, it's, it's something to ponder. I mean, it's something to ponder, but I have no doubt that, you know, an animal is going to go where it feels the safest. And, it's going to feel safer where there's not a lot of people running around.
1: Right, right. So. Well, I mean that goes to to the effect of, you know, there's a, a beautiful buck uh, just down. It's been hanging around my property for months, and I, you know, um, I, I I saw him for months, and now I don't see Mister Buck anywhere. Um, animals know, especially, <laughs> you know, uh, you know the, the 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 bucks and whatnot. They know. After generation after generation, they kind of get to no know hunting season, and they just disappear. And that's half the game of it—it's finding that, that trophy for some. Right. And so right. they just disappear. They know. They know the seasons, and they know when they're going to be hunted. Uh, you know, and you got these people trekking around and whatnot. And in some of these these uh, lands, these these sovereign nation lands, uh, you know, they they can go in there rather comfortably, I think, and disappear. Um, and I could be wrong, but just my idea in my head, uh, that, you know, they're very aware of, of the hunting seasons, but, you know, native Americans as well, you know, also, I mean, have a high regard for, in, in a lot of ways for Sasquatch They're you know, there's a,
0: right.
1: I talked to some of my other hunting friends and Bigfooters uh, that when you enter the woods, you know, I mean, I, I'd, I'd really believe this and this isn't paranormal, but depending a good hunter, you know uh is very calm in their atmosphere and in the areas that they're in um you know if you're going to be a successful hunter you need to kind of envelop uh your surroundings and in and, and not come in you know uh scared or come in tense because things pick up on that and i think it was a yeah, lot of was, native americans yeah they the you know they're comfortable with the sasquatch phenomenon and, and it's it's orally passed down to their you know, uh, generations and discussed, and a lot for a lot of them it's, like, not a big deal. Um, That's an area that I'd want to be in if I was a Sasquatch. Uh, So to me it's another thing that could be explained. You know, I don't think there's – personally, I don't think there's a a tremendous amount to it other than uh, these are pristine lands, they're big lands, and the people in these areas are very comfortable with the subject of Sasquatch in, in a lot of ways. And so, I mean, uh, I
0: could be wrong,
1: but that's just my idea.
0: Well, no, you touched on a good thing. I, I think all animals—they pick up on our intentions when we go in the woods. I, I guarantee you. I have—I have a friend, alone to death, and he thinks he's Mister Stealthing. He's gone up and x one with me, and he will try to walk real quiet. And I'm like, dude, just talk, act normal, because nothing's gonna come around if you act like a hunter. And there and I I I know the most successful successful hunters realize this is how you're behaving when you go into the woods is the the animals pick up on it. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. And and I I just I, I laugh when my buddy's like, Well I I'm the I'm so quiet you won't hear me coming. I'm like, I can hear you coming, dude. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, and it's it, the the way we behave, our mannerism, the the wildlife picks up on it. Yeah, you know, they they absolutely pick up on it. So yeah, I mean I think it goes back to like a lot of a lot of, and I agree with the theory. A lot of sasquatch sightings occur mainly with people who are just not really paying attention and just being stupid people in the in the woods. And they bumble into a sasquatch because they're not presenting themselves as a threat. Um, well, Chris, I,
1: Chris, that was my next point. I was going to bring that up, and, and I want you to follow up on that. But uh, let me say this, that, you know, as an investigator, researcher, you know, how many, I mean, honestly, how many researchers, investigators uh, of the Sasquatch phenomenon have had, I mean, very few, <laughs> very few, but have had a sighting Why they're actually actively looking into the subject out there researching? Very, very few, if any, um, Right. it usually happens from from people out hiking hunting fishing camping just acting normal uh, no pretenses no no there's not that vibe out there you know you're not going into the woods uh, actively looking for a sasquatch you're just going about your daily business and 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 happens i mean that is i mean people driving across you know driving on a the road they're not looking for it there's not that vibe out there uh, uh but they do get these that's where predominantly most of your encounters happen not people investigating the subject. You know, me, personally, as an investigator, researcher, I don't expect an encounter, you know, per se, or a sighting. I'm going out looking for evidence and trying to record evidence. Uh, don't get me wrong. Would I love a, vis- a you know another visual or something I get on, on camera? Sure, but probably not going to happen. And I think that uh, you're touching upon that very subject right now.
0: Oh, yeah. It, um, well, it's, it. I've had several... Interesting experiences up in X one. I didn't get a visual, but I I deem it was the target subjects, um, and and it was just when me it was you, you know I had one experience by myself, and then uh, another experience with my partner, and then another experience with my son, and it was basically we weren't paying attention to anything. We were just BSing when it happened. And um it's I don't know i i I think if they're around and you go into an area that you're investigating, the best thing to do is just act like a stupid human. That's how I put it um and and you know it's the whole threat factor um, It shouldn't be any surprise i I try to take go out with females a lot. Because I'm less of a threat if I'm with a female than I am if I'm with a group of males. Um, that's the way I look at it. If I was a, a a sasquatch or whatever, and I'm 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 assuming that they're a little more intelligent than a the bear. Um, they're gonna see. Uh, a mixed gender group as more of a family unit where if you got all males, then I would look at that as like a hunting party. I don't know. It's just a yeah. hypothesis, you know, but that's, and it's interesting, you know. oh um, uh, Yeah, I had an, the, a week before Ape said, I was actually had my friend Amy um, with me when we put out audio, and we had something thrown at us. So, yeah. Um, and that's not the first time I've had where I've been with a female where something's happened up in the yeah. one. And it it. So I don't know. There's something to that.
1: Oh, Sorry. definitely. Definitely definitely, something to it. You know, I'm not one, and I've mentioned this on the show before, uh, I, I'm not one to, you know, enter the woods and start knocking and doing yells and all that. For me, if I do partake in any of that sort of activity, it's usually after multiple days in the woods and there's nothing going on I thought I really got nothing else to right. lose let's see if I can get well, some, I, some sort of response
0: I say I, I, hey, I've done it this year when I'm going to I don't do it in my area but I've done a lot of camping in a lot of different places I've been exploring you know um, so I, I have no problem with doing that uh, as long as it's like um, you know for me it's like if it's an area that I'm not going to be in you know, maybe once a year I might go up there and nothing's going on. Yeah, I, I knock. Me and Shelly, we made knockers when we were up at Adams. and They make great knocking sounds and stuff. And we did some experiments with knocking where she took off with her four-wheeler and went around a ridge and she did a knock and a whoop. And and I would do a knock and a whoop and just to record it, to get an idea. And really, um, I'd actually, we were, me and her were talking, it, it was really hard to... Determine exactly where she was Whereas a lot of times we think we hear something Is happening over here It actually could be happening over here Because once you get up in the mountains Sound travels and bounces off of things And uh, um, so it's just An interesting experiment In itself that She went She was actually One of her knocks was Closer to me And sounded further away Because of where she was and the terrain and the geography. So yeah, I I am not opposed to doing that. But like with X One because that's my main site, I don't do that there. So Yeah. Anyways.
1: Yeah, I'm 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 very much of the opinion that that if, if Sasquatch is in an area uh, and you're of interest or, what you know with a lot of these sightings, you know, people are camping or fishing and Sasquatch comes yeah, to them. They'll come to, you. come to you. I mean that's just my personal yeah. opinion is that you you know if they're in the area and you're of interest and they feel like it or you just catch them off guard, uh you know, you're not luring them in by a knock or whatnot. I just that's just my personal opinion. Just being there, being a noxious camper, you're camping with a purpose a lot of times uh, as an investigator, but you know uh, you're, you're really you know not doing yourself any favor by going out there and screaming and yelling and knocking. It, it's kind of uh, <laughs> defeats the purpose. And then, like we mentioned before, you never know. Well, I mean, some of these areas we go to, Chris, I know that there's n- n- the human element we can r- almost roll out, but in some of these areas, you can't. Right. And you get especially the hotspot areas. And, and a lot of people listen to the show are aware of some of these these locations. Um, that uh big footers go to organizations go to, and you just don 't know if you're you 're not going to train and get yeah. a response back from another group, and so yeah uh, that 's why I really steer away from it because uh knocks were recorded and heard way before anybody else started doing them <clears throat> i don 't think it 's necessary, um but I will do yeah. 'em if 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 you know as a last ditch resort if i 'm heading out, sure, but not my go to <laughs>
0: Right, yeah, I uh, yeah. it, it it's it's all depends on where you're at and what's going on. I mean it's I mean I don't know. I I'm not. Yeah, you just there's so many different factors you got to take in. It's, but if if you're recording, that's for me. I want to be able to say no. That's definitely not a human being. And yeah. like when I do do it, I I keep track of what time. I do what time we go to bed and stuff so I can rule out me, whatever. Yep. It's just, it's not, it's not something that I would, it's not something I do in my area, basically. Because right. um, when I do get them there, usually it's, I'm not up there, and it's in, you know, after one in the morning. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. when it's interesting. So...
1: Well, Chris, we're closing in on the end of the show. I do want to have you back on because I would love, if you're willing, to play some of the more suspect audio pieces that you collected uh, over the years, especially, specifically from areas like X1 and whatnot, uh, that are very suspect and that I found compelling and interesting. So I definitely want to have you back on down the road and we can go through some of this audio that you've collected and, and maybe I'll throw sure. some of my audio in there. Yeah, you know, it's a comparison and. Uh, collaboration but uh i, w- I want to thank you so much for joining me this evening chris uh i know you got an early start tomorrow and uh and so uh you know thanks again for joining uh monster radio man i appreciate it
0: no problem man i enjoy talking with you bud
1: yeah uh, likewise and uh fascinating conversation you have a great evening you too Well, folks, uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Monsters Radio. I did because uh, I love talking with other investigators and researchers such as Chris Spencer uh, and, you know, knocking ideas back and forth. Uh, there is no Bigfoot expert. Um, these are all ideas and hypotheses, but these are – are, are um, these. this is experience. Uh, we, we spend a lot of time in the woods. Uh, we do look at all known subjects before we roll in anything suspect. Um, and at the end day will not prove sasquatch um, but the these uh, the work that we're we're doing and such as Chris here uh, you know our guest this evening uh, I think is substantial and it's honest and that's what I appreciate is the honesty and so I hope you appreciate the honesty it's Bigfoot without the BS and uh, it's straightforward and it's just our opinions and ideas um, but it's interesting stuff uh, Sasquatch is real I'm not going to argue that point. I know it to be real. But I will argue the evidence out there, for the most part, uh, can be explained away, especially if you find it on social media. That's just my opinion. Uh, you know. Uh, so um, that's why I don't post on YouTube and stuff, uh, because I think it's pointless. There's just enough of that stuff out there, and it gets all garbled and jungled, and you don't know really what you're hearing or looking at or listening to. And so, uh, But uh, Sasquatch is real, no doubt about it in my mind. But the evidence out there is, eh. So, working on that, working on that. I hope you enjoyed this episode of X Radio. We'll be back again next week for another episode. And I just want to thank again Chris Spencer for joining me this evening, and I hope you enjoyed this episode, folks. Uh, We'll talk to you again next week.